audio that you're hearing now was recorded at a Sunday meeting of our faith community Circle of Hope in Philadelphia. For the past few months, we had been meeting at an urban farm that we maintain in the middle of Kensington. So we were singing and and meeting with each other in this place surrounded by fruit trees and raised beds of vegetables and uh, chicken coops and beehives. Uh, but also the sounds of the L nearby and Somerset Station, uh, cars driving by, blasting music, people fighting, just basically everything that comes with life in a vibrant city. So for this week's mini-episode, you're going to hear a talk that Beth delivered for our last meeting in that beautiful, contradictory space. We're still in our summer break, but we'll be back in a few weeks with new episodes and appreciate your patience. Uh, But in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy Beth's talk as much as I did. Bethany Stewart is going to come share some things with us. <laughs> Snaps. Hey, y'all. So, let's see. I'm super nervous because I procrastinated with writing this sermon. In my mind, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna talk about this, and then I'm talk about that, and a little bit of this too. And I finally wrote it down this morning, and I started sobbing as I was writing it. And I was like, oh no, I and this is really tender for me. I'm gonna sob in front of all my friends, and they're gonna be like, Bethany's really lost it. (laughs) So, So that's what's going on for me right now. So, will you please, as community members, pray for me, pray for my strength and my peace? Because my story is really tender, even as I, and here it goes, my nightmare, even as I'm explaining this to you, I feel that coming up. So I'm sure you guys have all seen me cry before I'm a crier. But with that, so like I said, my name is Bethany. I think I recognize everybody's faces here, but if you're not familiar with me, I have been a part of our community. I have been in the uh, circle sphere, as I call it, for the last 
seven years. I've been a part of a cell since 2014. Um, I've been a covenant member since 2016. I've dabbled in leadership on and off since about 2016, 2017. I lead the Circle Mobilizing Because Black Lives Matter team. Um, and I do a few things here and there all over the place in other capacities. So I think that's why Johnny um, asked me to chat with you guys today. I also kind of want to give you a caution that more than this is like a talk. I know we use the language talk at Circle of Hope. Um, more than it's a talk, and really I mean sermon, I think it's an expression of um, my experience over the last 18 months. So I hope you can learn from that. Um, I hope it teaches you something about your experience, but I wouldn't go into this thinking that I'm going to give you a dynamic sermon. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed. So don't have your hopes there. Um, yeah. So let's start by getting ourselves a little bit centered and comfortable. So if you want to uncross your legs, maybe plant your feet on the ground in the dirt, settle yourself in your seat and maybe close your eyes or soften your gaze if that makes you more comfortable. And then take a deep breath in. And release that breath. And go ahead and take another breath in. And then release that breath again. Now, bring to mind one of your favorite images in your life. Maybe it's a vacation spot. Maybe it's being near a family member in the midst of family or your children or a partner. Maybe it's an image from your childhood. But bring that to your mind. Maybe put your hand on your chest and connect with that image and the tenderness, the sweetness, whatever, whatever it is that you're feeling and breathe that in. And release that breath. Now breathe that in one more time. And release it one more time. And now, journey with me and envision yourself in the place of the writer of Psalms 23. I picked this one because it's one of my favorite scriptures that is pretty imagery centered. So imagine yourself in the place of this journey here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head 
with oil and my cup runs over. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So come back with me. I really, I really, really love the imagery in this scripture. One, because it's just beautiful to picture and it's super poetic, but it really paints a picture that you can come up with in your head. As a kid, um, I was homeschooled and my mom being the very religious woman that she was taught me how to read by using the King James version of the Bible. So I always joke that I had a British accent for like the first 10 years of my life. Um, but as a kid, I would picture a little cartoon version of myself. And if I'm telling the truth, I'm still a cartoon version of myself in my head. Um, but I typically would picture this cartoon version of myself moving through each image of this scripture, being in a green pasture, um, being beside still water and having God accompany me in each part of this image. And I also had this uh, TBN cartoon image of God in my head next to me throughout it as well. And for the last 18 months, we've experienced a less beautiful scenario in our lives. We've all been a part of this collective suffering that's known as the COVID-19 pandemic. I remember tracking the virus. Is that bee still around me? Because it's a wrap if it is. Do you guys still see a bee? Okay. See, this is the problem with preaching outside. I'm scared of bugs, right? I'll run. That'll be the end of the sermon. Y'all can get what you get from what I said because I'm out of here. Um, but thank you. Keep me, keep me alert if something comes around again. So for the last 18 months, we've been experiencing this collective suffering together. I can remember when I first started hearing about the uh, coronavirus uh, in China around December of 2019. And I remember as they were talking about it and saying how they didn't know how it was spreading, I remember thinking, this is not good. I've never seen anything like this before. Hopefully it doesn't come over here to America. And then the coronavirus started uh, ravishing um, Europe. I remember it in Italy and the death tolls. I remember 600 being one of the numbers at one point. And I remember thinking, uh, let me look around. I remember thinking, oh shit, it's coming to America, right? I knew that it was gonna be on its way and how are we gonna prepare for this moment, right? I remember feeling so much fear. And I remember thinking if it comes to America, it will decimate the black community. It will disproportionately affect my people and the people that I service um, in my North Philadelphia neighborhood. It's going, ah, there are children here and I cussed. I'm sorry, guys. I hope I hope that, that they'll be able to move through that. Um, okay, good. Um, yeah, so I remember feeling so much fear and anxiousness. And then when it finally came here and my job sent us home for two weeks, I knew that it wasn't just gonna be two weeks. I had been watching Europe for months. I thought that it would be maybe three months, right? And that when the summer came, people would start feeling better and we would be back in our offices. And then here we are, 18 months later, having church outside. 
the last 18 months for me have been an absolute mess. And it's felt like felt like I couldn't catch a break. And I'm sure many of you have felt that too, that you just can't catch your breath. I lost my part-time job that was supplementing my income. And it was also just the only job that I knew. It, I, it sucked, I hated it, but it was what I was comfortable with. There was no more leaving my house. I'm an extrovert, I like to be around people. There was no more leaving my house for work or church. I was just in the isolation of my home that I just purchased. I was less than a year, really just a few months, out of a mentally abusive relationship. And you know what, I was trying to get my groove back. And the pandemic shut getting my groove back. Shut it down. And the uncertainty and the unpredictability of this virus and the political climate, the heightened intensity of, of the racial reckoning that happened in, in America last year and all of the um, left and the right, I just felt myself in this constant state of anxiety and fear. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic when we had the shutdowns, I remember having this fear come up that what if something happens to my parents, specifically my mother, who I'm very close to? What if something happens to them? And I can't touch them. I remember having that fear at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, October of 2020, that fear came to fruition. On October 28th of 2020, after seven months of isolation, after so much time of being separated from, from our families and our friends and being able to be connected, my sweet mother was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And I remember feeling like, God, why have you abandoned me? What did I do wrong? What, what do I need to fix? In fact, it's not me, God, it's you. I started talking to God like a bad boyfriend. You've been acting up. You don't come home on time. I don't know where you're at. So you figure it out, God. You figure out a new way for us to relate to each other because I'm mad at you. My mom's a Christian woman. I'm a Christian woman. We've had faith for years and years. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to my mom? is what I felt. I asserted to God that if we were going to continue to be in relationship with one another, that I needed him to figure it out, how we can start new. I wasn't the same Bethany Stewart. Our world wasn't the same world. I was different. So God, figure out how to relate to me in who I am and in the Bethany Stewart that I am today after all this suffering for a year. What I learned in those moments of feeling lonely and abandoned by God, I learned how loving and excited 
God gets to meet us in new ways. He took my anger and my fury and my loneliness and got excited to find a way to, to get to know the Bethany that I was in at the end of 2020 and going into 2021. God's excited to meet us in our darkness, in our changes, in the weariness of our souls. He wants to meet us and journey with us in new ways. And in fact, he's already there in those new ways, waiting for us to see him, waiting for us to notice him, waiting to smile back at us. God was excited to meet me in new ways too. As winter loosened its grip on our region, I hate the winter time. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I started gardening. I had garden. I hate the summer too. I also think the summer's ridiculous. Um, I started gardening again, and I had gardened a bit in 2020. Of course, I had so many hobbies in 2020. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen all of them. Um, but I kept to gardening. That was something that I really liked and I wanted to develop more in this year. I love the smell of the dirt and how rich the soil is visually. And sometimes I would put my hand in the soil and see a worm squirming and scream, you know? I love that. I love the mystery of whether a plant was going to survive me or not in my overzealous watering. I've said this before, but Apparently, plants don't feel more loved being watered every day, whatever, you know? And I loved watching the bumblebees dance between uh, my plant flowers, my cucumber plants and my tomato plant flowers. I thought it was this beautiful dance. It almost looked like a performance, especially for me. God revealed to me the richness of nature and reminded me of his faithfulness to the birds and the bees and the grass and the plants and that he had that same faithfulness and love for me. My backyard has served as this oasis for God to meet me in my suffering, for God to meet me as I water my plants and care for them in the same way that God wants to care for us. God has met me in the griminess of the dirt that I felt overwhelm me. God is meeting me and wanting me in every stage of my journey, no matter how dark it is, no matter how ugly it is. He's seeking us too. And even in my anger, I had to recognize God is seeking me and I want to seek him too. So my backyard has been that for me. I'm just going to lift my phone so I can see it better. It's been a place where I know I can rest and lean on the Holy Spirit in the stillness of my yard. God is always talking to me in that space. God is always talking to me in that space where I'm at in my journey right now. He's always with me in it. Every step I take, 
God is present with me. Even if I don't feel it, he's there. He's excited. He's waiting and he's wanting me to. So that's been the reminder for me this year that God's waiting and wanting me to meet him and to be met by him, to have my needs met by him in new ways. So let's take some time for talk back. Hey Beth, can you hear me? Yep. Cool. How are you? I am doing okay. Um, I have been listening to your sermon all day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, just to make sure the recording sounds good. Oh, because you're trying good. to get it up that quickly? Right, yeah, I'm trying to drop it tonight. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, so you've been listening to me sob all day? That's really <laughs> sad. It is. It has been kind of... Um, Kind of, it has been sad, I guess. It's been sad, it's been moving, it's been, it's been, it's been a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, how do you feel about your sermon? kind of heavy. Yeah. Man, it was so raw. Uh-huh. Like I said this morning, like, I was thinking of what I wanted to say, but then when I pieced it together and started writing it this morning, I was like weeping. Yeah. <laughs> and I was instantly nervous. Like, yeah. oh my God, like, what if a new visitor comes <laughs> and they're like, yeah, this random black lady that isn't the pastor was just up there weeping. <laughs> I was so anxious about it. When I was listening to it, I was like, experience it? yeah, I was, I was listening to you deliver it. And then I was also thinking to myself, like, dang, I, I texted yesterday to 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 ask if it might be a good idea to put this up on the podcast feed and maybe like I didn't know what I was asking. <laughs> mm. It felt almost too personal. I don't know. Here's what I was thinking because I, I when I when we talked about having this the me doing a qu- quick fun phone call, I was thinking we would put it before mm-hmm. the episode, but now after having listened to the episode, like I have a bunch of thoughts and questions. Oh. Yeah. You want to talk about it now? Yeah, I would. Here's what okay. I'm thinking about. Um, I the the way that you described your experience of that particular year hit pretty hard and rang pretty true. I think for me and to other people that I was talking to. Yeah. And then the turn for you, when you realize that you could experience God through the experience of your garden. I guess what's been what I've been thinking about is how were you able to allow yourself to be receptive to that experience of God? Like why weren't you just like God has abandoned me. Therefore, I'm going to take solace in the garden. Mm. How did you know that God was talking to you through the garden, I guess? Yeah. I think I was determined to still be in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I knew that the Bethany that I was before my mom's diagnosis, that I was not her anymore. And thus I needed to relate to God in a new way. Right. Like I Mm -hmm. I was pretty certain about that. Yeah. I related to, I I mean, I totally got what you were talking about when you were talking about relating to God, like a, 
like somebody you're in an, like a boyfriend who has who has been letting mm-hmm. you down and being that angry mm-hmm. with God. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you feel like after after you had that exchange, this feeling, this interaction with God, you feel like well, I mean, do you, do you remember a moment or do you remember a time when you had delivered what feels like this ultimatum to God and God somehow responded and you knew it was God? Yeah, I mean, like, there are moments in my yard where I get enlightenment that is just so, I just feel like blatantly, mm-hmm. God, it's, um, it's almost kind of scary. Like, the essay that I wrote about my garden, right. I wrote that in maybe 10 minutes in my garden at midnight. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt like it was, like, being dropped into me. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There was a moment maybe just two weeks ago um, where a memory from my childhood that has really, like, I think affected or shifted my personality Mm -hmm. um, was, like, revealed to me in my garden. And I felt like it was God speaking to me and helping me heal from relationship stuff. But, like, when I was maybe four... I think I was about four years old living in North Philly. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before Um, with the fireworks. Did I mention that? I don't think so. Okay. So when I was like four years old and probably my sister was six, we were walking home in North Philly in the summertime and this car pulled up along. Well, it was me, my sister and my parents. Mm -hmm. And this car pulled up next to us and they pulled up as this, as if they were going to ask for directions because it was the nineties and you know, GPS didn't exist or whatever. And when my family and I, this is probably one of my earliest childhood memories um, or just life memories. And when my family and I stopped, they threw fireworks at us, including an M80 and attached the sticky um, substance to it. And it stuck to my little four year old leg. And my dad, who never put his hands on us, Uh um, grabbed me and slapped the firework off of my leg. And it, Uh it, like, immediately exploded as soon as he got it off of my leg. Um, And my mom was, like, deaf for the rest of the night um, and then had hearing problems and vertigo for, like, a year after it. Super traumatizing. But I've realized over my life, I tend to shut down and not even use words when I'm in a really scary situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't ask for help. (laughs) Remember the story with me um, getting my backpack stolen and Uh nobody helped me? Right. Part of that story is because the the security guard in the pawn shop said he didn't know that I didn't know that you were in distress. Right. And I realized in my garden, like, this got revealed to me, like, two weeks ago, that it's my, like, little child brain at that time came to the conclusion that, like, when a bad thing happens to me, I get smacked. So if something happens to me, I need to keep quiet and not make too much of a fuss. Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And, like... I'm 31 years old. I never, I've been in social services and have understood trauma for years and years and years. I never put two and two together until I was sitting in my yard one night and just thinking about my life 
that, oh, yeah, that's why I shut down like that. I think that I'm going to get in trouble when something bad happens to me and I need help because my dad smacked me and probably didn't, like, explain afterwards, hey, I hit you just because I needed to get that thing that would hurt you off. Mm-hmm. So I just like, yeah, I just have these moments where I just have these really deep revelations in my yard. And it feels like it couldn't have come from anybody but God who has been walking and journeying with me throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you saying that. And like I I do find it deeply moving and at the same time like I wonder if I have the capacity to not give up on God in the same way that you didn't give up on God. I mean I think I do. Mm-hmm. But the despair just the giving up on the the just kind of giving into despair sometimes seems like a pretty attractive option to me and I'm worried that if I were to get be in that place I would just be sitting in the garden and 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 not be receptive to anything. And maybe maybe God would be trying to reach me, but I wouldn't be listening or or something. I don't know. Why do uh, you think that about yourself? I don't know. Maybe I just maybe um maybe um I don't know. That's that's uh I know you to be such a faithful Yeah person that Mm -hmm. really knows God intimately. So to think that you could get to a point where you would give up on him Mm -hmm. feels hard for me to conceptualize. Yeah. Well, that's, that's encouraging. The fact that you believe that about (laughs) me is, is in itself encouraging. And I guess maybe that's, (laughs) that's what the, that's what the, that's what this community is for, I guess. Right. To reflect you back to you. Right. Well, I really like your talk. Um, I thought it was great. Cool. And do we want to talk about our hiatus? Uh, yeah, why don't we remind people? Yeah, so how long of a hiatus are we taking? Have uh, we decided? I'm thinking maybe a few weeks. Maybe we'll be back by the end of September. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get some content from the High Holy Holiday of Pumpkin Spice. Pumpkin Spice, of course. That could be part of our comeback episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to take some time off to think about the content that we're creating, what you all are talking about, what you want to hear about, and how we can talk about it um, amongst ourselves. Yeah, we want to keep on following Jesus and figuring out our anti-racism together. It feels weird to end an episode without the tag. Oh, okay. So I thought you were going to say something else as well. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, well, in this episode, Christian Snow is leading worship and her beautiful voice you can hear in the beginning of the episode. So I did want to give kudos to her. Um, And uh, Jared Selby does our theme song. Cool. And with that being said, stay black, little mermaid.